And around goes all the both off the bumper of Chastain. And Ross Chastain beats and bangs his way to turn 20 and off One the right corner to the checkered flag. Hey, I don't mind that. He got moved and moved him back. Absolutely. Great job, boy. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are going to take a look back at the Coda Road Course Race. We did very well, and we're going to take a little bit of a victory lap there when we recap that race. And then we will move on to Richmond Raceway and talk about why I'm excited for this race specifically and get into the track stats, everything about it what we need to strategize around betting this week, and then get to some of our picks. We're going to talk about winners, finishing positions, and head-to-head matchups, including one featured matchup that you can see across all sports books. So we'll talk about that one at the very end. And then at the very, very end, I guess you could say, we've got a Phil's Fired Up, and I'm going to talk about the championship odds that are available right now on most sports books. I just got some things I want to get off my chest around that because they don't quite make sense to me. And uh, I think, you know, just about 25% through the regular season, uh, I think it's a decent time to take a look at where things stand and why things don't make sense. So that's what we have ahead of us on this episode. So, like I said, we're going to recap the Circuit of Americas because. As far as the podcast goes, we've been doing this now for multiple years. Four years is our fourth season. And I think this has to be one of the the better episodes as far as last week's picks on the podcast. We picked the winner, Ross Chastain. So let's talk about him first. He was our long shot at plus 2,500 when we recorded it. He dropped down to plus 2,000 on race day and... He came out and he was swinging uh, absolutely right there the whole race. It was not a fluke whatsoever. That car, that team, that driver, that was a race that they set out to win and they were able to get it done. Unbelievable. Our long shot of the three that we called out hits and could not have been feeling better. I was on cloud nine when that went down. And the way that race ended was absolutely wild because you had Chastain winning for most of stage three. And then as the caution starting to drop, you kind of felt like, oh boy, you know, this really isn't uh, in the cards for him here this week, but he hung on. And even when he got moved out of the way by AJ, which I thought was a, a decent move by AJ, He comes back and hits like a miracle shot. Uh, It was like shuffleboard. Like he he knocked AJ into Bowman and cleared the way for himself. Um, That, I mean, as a big shuffleboard fan myself, big shuffleboard player, I was impressed. You know what I mean? That was very unlikely, and he got it done. So if you were someone who, you know, was riding with us on the Ross Chastain pick, you were jumping for joy just like I was. And, you know, it felt great to hit an outright pick 
So you got to love that. It's Trackhouse's first win in the Cup Series, so that's huge for them. You got to see Justin Marks in the celebration there for that that pit crew and, and that team overall. Great press conference after the race. It's just all around good stuff that Trackhouse was able to get it done. Got to feel good for you know if you're a fan of the sport or you're a gambler on this sport. It's got to feel good that there's kind of new blood and it's not the same old thing because it's going to allow us to get better odds on these guys as things unfold. Uh, Because if you remember, Chase and Larson were absolutely huge favorites. They were our road course ringers, according to the sports books, plus 250 for Chase, plus 300 for Larson. Come on. We might not expect that next time around. Heavy favorites like that. Ross just proved that, you know, pretty much anybody can get it done. There, There are new players in that game, I guess you can say. So next time... I don't remember what it is. It might be Sonoma uh, as our next road course. I don't think we're going to be getting those types of odds. But in any case, Chastain gets it done for Trackhouse, gets it done for the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Very happy about that. Now, one last comment on the end of that race, because I just wanted to say, like, if he lost that race, I still feel like I got my money's worth, right? That is why it's fun to gamble on NASCAR. Like that is 100% the reason because if you had AJ on your card or if you had Bowman on your card, Tyler Reddick, Chase Elliott, anybody in that end of the race when shit gets wild on those turns, you're not out of it. Everybody was kind of in it depending on, you know, what happened with those turns and guys getting knocked out of the way. Who could have been Johnny on the spot. Christopher Bell could have been there. Uh, another guy that we called out to win the race. So it doesn't matter who you had on your ticket. If you had anybody in that like top five or six, you were having some fun watching all that go down, especially those top three guys. Like what a wild 20 seconds. Um, so that's what makes it fun to watch is when you have money on things like that. Um, now, another reason why last week's podcast was just great. We had two top 10 picks hit and all three of our head-to-heads hit as well. Um, now, I did get a little wishy-washy with the McDowell over, um, it was Bubba Wallace. That pick, I said, if you were taking that individually, Bubba would be better for the value. But uh, in a parlay, so our, our podcast parlay, it was uh, McDowell in that one as a, a heavier favorite. And we went three for three, if you included uh, that in a parlay. So just a great weekend all around. Also hit a truck parlay. If you follow us on Instagram, I put that one out there on Saturday. That was phenomenal. It was a great start to my weekend. It basically paid for all of my other random parlays. Um, definitely threw some stuff out there on Instagram that didn't hit. But as far as the podcast is concerned, we got the outright two for three on top tens, three for three on head to heads, feeling really, really good. Then we had F1 Frank on last week, if you remember, and he gave us some things to think about for the F1 race, which if you had a chance to watch that, that was even phenomenal as well. A great day of racing. And he gave out Max Verstappen, his favorite guy. Well, Max gets it done and he even got great value because Max qualified fourth and uh, ends up winning the race. So normally with Verstappen, you see him as like plus 135. You could get him at like plus 300 on race day last Sunday. And we cashed in with with Frank there. Also took Lando Norris, put that one out there on Instagram for a top 10. That ended up hitting as well. So just a great day all around. I don't know if we're going to have a day like that in the future. It's going to be tough to top that, honestly. But 
we'll give it a try anyway. As far as Frank was concerned, I was asking him, you know, because one of the reasons why we had him on. They're going to an F1 track. Could NASCAR kind of turn you into a fan? He was very happy with the end of that race. He was asking me questions about what went down there, like, shocked. You can do that? Like, you can move guys out of the way? There's no, like, problems with that? And I explained to him, no. You know, it's kind of boys have at it. That's the phrase. Explain that whole thing to him. And he was pumped. He really, really seemed like he was interested and, and said he, he'll definitely be giving at least the road courses a look the, the rest of the year. And I'll be on him to uh, watch some of the, the bigger oval races as the year goes on as well. Because I, I think that race, really, if you were somebody like Frank watching that, that's a race that could suck you in. Last year's Coda race, absolutely not. But this was a really good one. So all in all, great stuff from Austin last weekend. Very happy with the way things unfolded for the the NASCAR outcome and also our gambling picks. So let's transition. We're going to move to Richmond here. And this is a, a race that I'm you know really interested in because last year and some races previous – they were super, super boring. If you remember last year, especially after the fall race, I think we went into that with some like, all right, re-energized hopes. And coming out of that, I think my recap for that one in the fall was like, man, this is just not a short track. Like it is a short track, but it's not racing like that. It's almost racing like a, a boring mile and a half, like a Texas almost, which was disappointing. Because when you go to a short track season, because that's where we're getting into here, Richmond and Martinsville back-to-back, and then soon after that, if not right after, we're going to go to the Bristol Dirt Race. So, yeah, it's short track season, but this track, this race has not produced much fun, has not produced much drama, just not giving you what you want when you're going to a short track. So the reason why I've got this one marked on my calendar is because I want to see if this car can change that. Because it's making a believer out of me so far this season. We said it, kind of a similar situation when we were going to Vegas, right? The first mile and a half of the year. It produced a good race. It really did. And, you know, Auto Club and, and Phoenix, for the most part, Phoenix was you know pretty okay. Um, Daytona and Atlanta, Coda, you know, they're their own beasts. So this is another temperature check for this car to see can we get some decent action at a track that previously the last couple years has not done that for us i've got high hopes i really want to see something fun in richmond this weekend so with that let's take a look at some of our track stats from previous years so 130 races all time in the cup series for richmond that is a lot that is a lot of races and the winner has started on the pole 24 times. The last time it happened was 2016 with Denny Hamlin in the fall of that. So it was a playoff race there in 16, winning from the pole. Starting in the top five, the winner has started there 56% of the time. And starting in the top 10, 77% of the time. So it matters. It absolutely matters. So we've said this a couple times already with qualifying back and practice back, you either want to take an educated guess on a guy earlier in the week or wait for practice qualifying and miss out potentially on some better odds like you did with Chastain last weekend. Uh, but you have that comfort that they're qualifying within the top five or 10. Starting outside the top 20, only 12 times in the history of the racetrack, but Bowman did it last year. So it's not totally out of the question. 
Now, getting into the manufacturer trends here, Toyota has been dominant over the last 10 races or so. They've won six of the last 10, whereas the other two have a, a two each a split there, two, two for Ford and Chevy. So that's really where I want to get into next, because strategizing this race, you really kind of have to focus on JGR, because historically, their four drivers have been absolutely phenomenal. Just look at last year, for example. All four drivers for JGR finished in the top 10 at both Richmond races. That's crazy. DraftKings has these like race parlays and these like specials, right? Weekly, weekly specials. And to start, when you're going down the list, it's always asking, picking a team like Hendrick, JGR, Stuart Haas Racing, and it'll say like, will all four cars finish in the top 10? And I'm thinking to myself, man, these odds just don't reflect how hard that actually is. And it's almost impossible. But with JGR last year at Richmond, they went two for two. So that's eight top 10 finishes between you know their four cars at Richmond, which is saying something. I mean, that is just dominance, really. So the thing about it is, the thing that makes it interesting and why JGRs kind of have to, that's where you should start your conversation when you're thinking about this race as far as gambling is concerned is they're struggling this year. They are off to a rough start. They do not have a win through six races. I didn't do the research when the last time that happened was. And, you know, we're not hitting the panic button just yet. But like Christopher Bell last week finished third, like he was, you know, off of it. Uh, but they're not getting the finishes that they really want. So the question then becomes, do you side with history at this racetrack when you're looking at the stats of these guys or are you going with the here and now the 2022 the newer car who's got the hot hand this like crazy season that's really unfolding in front of us with a bunch of new winners first time winners new faces in the game you know can these new guys keep it up chastain being one of them briscoe being another you know, are, are these guys able to keep it going? Now, there are a lot of people out there that are probably going to reach a little bit and say, you know, well, we saw these people have success at Phoenix. So, yeah, that's going to correlate directly to uh, Richmond. I don't think that that's necessarily true. There are some things that you can pick at, right? But you don't want to put all your eggs in the Phoenix basket when you're looking at who to bet on this week. I think there are a couple things that you can look at maybe like green flag speed you know someone who is just like naturally fast off the truck they're able to get that going i'll call some of that stuff out this week yeah for sure but you can't say okay briscoe won phoenix so he's definitely a top five pick this week i don't think that's cut and dry you know i'm not downplaying briscoe but i'm just saying i don't think it's as cut and dry as that now practice will be absolutely huge because you know, if you're paying attention to practice this weekend, keep your eye on the JGR cars because if they're off of it, right, that's your that's your heat check. If those four guys are off of it, then you know it's time to start looking at some new faces. But if they're on it, all right, now we're kind of able to use our history here. So that's really where you want to be looking at. Now, as far as the odds are concerned, when they release them this week, we got some big numbers again, kind of like what we were seeing at Atlanta, except this is a short track. So it's Really interesting that the books really aren't sure how to play this. Right now, the favorite is Chase Elliott at plus 950. That's impressive. And, you know, a couple other books have him at maybe 900. Um, I saw Barstool opened with Truex at plus 750 as their favorite. Now, 
He has since dropped to plus 900 on that book. He is going off at plus 1,000 on most sports books as far as I can see. And, uh, you know, I think Barstool maybe just jumped the gun a little bit. I'm not going to be calling out Truex to win the race this week. I'm going to be talking about all three of his teammates in some capacity this week. But next week, I've got my eye on Truex. So, not saying he can't go out and win the race. I'm just letting you know right off the bat. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about him on this podcast because I'm kind of saving him for next week. And really, I want to see. I, I haven't seen much out of Truex to really justify what Barstool was putting out there. Plus 750 this year to, to win the race as a favorite. I don't know. You know, he hasn't really proven much so far. So that's where we're at uh, as far as the odds and, and what the sports books are putting out there. So let's start talking about picks to win the race because I'm starting with a JGR guy. I'm actually, what we're looking at here, as far as winning the race is concerned, I called out this like history versus new age stuff. So I've got one guy based on history. I've got one guy kind of a newer face, and then I've got a mix. So let's just start right off the bat with my mix. And that's going to be Christopher Bell plus 1400. He fits the mole of what we're seeing lately of a younger guy, a newer face, winning the race. Now, he has his win, his first career win, but it happened last year on the Daytona road course. So he does not have a non-road course win, which would be a huge deal for him in his career. Um, so this is a guy who makes sense with this whole you know, recipe that we've seen this year in 2022 with race winners. He's only raced at Richmond three times, but it's very clear that he enjoys racing at this track because he's got two top five finishes. His average finish is fifth, 7.3. His driver rating is seventh out of everyone in NASCAR, 97.0. But the thing is, his first start was in that 95 car and it kind of skewed his stats even, you know, a little bit to the worst there. So if you look at just last year, when he was driving in the JGR 20 car, both of his races, he had 108 driver rating. Same exact driver rating, both races. He finished third and fourth last year. He finished 15th in the 95 car. So clearly, like we talked about, JGR knows how to get around this racetrack, and Christopher Bell has the talent to do it. He clearly enjoys it. And there's another stat that I just wanted to call out, which was average fastest laps. He's fourth in that category, 31.3 average fastest laps. That's a tough stat for someone who is newer to the game to really be at the top of. So big stat there because that tells you that that race car is just fast at Richmond with him behind the wheel. Now this year, like we talked about with JGR in general, Christopher Bell's no exception here. 2022, he's not off to the best start. Uh, we called him out throughout this season on the podcast in a couple different ways, whether it was to win or top 10 or whatever. And he hasn't come through for us too much. But last week, he finished third place. Now, I thought that that finish showed a lot of heart out of him and that 20 team because he was kind of out of it early, got shuffled back. They had to fight, 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 and they finished third. So I feel like that's the type of thing that brings a lot of momentum. Imagine being on that 20 car. It was a team effort to get back up there. If everything in front of him unfolded a little bit differently, where all three of those guys got knocked out of the way, he would have won the damn thing. So 
they fought so hard to get back to that point. Now you're going to a racetrack that you definitely have circled on your calendar. Like, okay, boys, here we go. Now we're cooking with gas. So they have to feel excited. You got to hope that that car is fast off the truck. And, um, you know, I think me calling him out to win the race is kind of a pretty big deal because I have a season-long win uh, match bet versus Tyler Reddick. I actually have Reddick over Christopher Bell in that bet. But I'm still calling Christopher out to win the race. He's kind of my favorite pick this week, honestly. Plus 1,400. Really good odds that you're getting there. He's also facing off against Blaney in a head-to-head matchup that I really like Christopher in this one as well. Blaney has been on record saying that he absolutely hates Richmond. It's his worst track statistically, I believe. And he says that it's his least favorite track as a driver. So until I see anything different out of Blaney where he has any sort of success, I think he has one top 10 in his career. I like what I'm seeing Christopher Bell over Blaney in that matchup. We'll talk about that a little bit later um, as a reminder, but, you know, throwing that in there as we talk about it. So Christopher Bell, definitely my first pick here. Looking at my next pick, this is the guy who is kind of based on the 22 season. And speaking of Tyler Reddick, I'm going to call him out to win the race as well, plus 1,200 to win the race. Now, this is going with that newer car because he's someone who doesn't necessarily have the history here. His numbers at Richmond do not jump out at you whatsoever. But he's just like Christopher Bell. He's only been here three times. He has two top 15 finishes. He's three for three finishing in the top 20, which, you know, for a young driver, that's a pretty decent job at a tough short track. Average finishes 15.3, driver rating 75.3. Those numbers aren't, you know, blowing you away. They're they're mid-pack, mid-pack at best, but they're serviceable. The thing that you like about Tyler Reddick is he's got his face in everything so far this year. He's been a real leader this year. So that's why I'm saying this new car has him elevated. And so that's why, you know, out of all those guys that you could choose, Tyler Reddick is who stands out to me. He's someone who I thought would have had the first win of all of the um, first-time winners. But instead, you got Cindric, Briscoe, Chastain, all winning first ahead of him. That's shocking to me. So that has to be kind of like getting to him saying, man, when am I going to get mine? Well, I'm feeling like it could be this weekend. This year, he's got two top fives, three top tens in six races. He's fifth in driver rating in 2022, 94.2. And looking at green flag speed at Phoenix, like we said, kind of a comparison track. He was fifth there. He's sixth in speed all season. So that's all tracks. And it feels like any track that he's been on this year, we've seen him at that tiny, tiny track out at the Clash. He was dominant before he had a malfunction with the car. He's been good at these super speedways, Daytona and a little bit at Atlanta there. He was decent last week at finished top five at a road course and, you know, Phoenix and Vegas. He's hanging in there. So it doesn't matter what kind of track you throw at Tyler Reddick in 2022. He's there. That's why I'm not scared of this short track for him. So I think that he's taking advantage, full advantage of this new car. And so... You want to do it if you're him or any of these other guys that we're talking about who are newer, you definitely want to get it while you can because these veterans are going to figure this out eventually, right? So you you have a little bit of a leg up at the moment because things are even. So you can kind of show your skills while the playing field is even. But when they figure it out, it's going to be a lot tougher to do. Now you factor in the fact that 
these guys are getting practice. They have not had practice at Richmond in their professional cup careers. So that's going to be huge for them as far as learning goes. So I really like, you know, that's why both him and Christopher Bell are good picks this week. So he's plus 1,200 to win the race. The last guy I'm calling out is a history pick, and it's Denny Hamlin plus 1,200. Now, this is another JGR pick. So, you know, I'm kind of going off of historical data here, but Denny is off to a terrible start this season. He is 22nd in points. My God, can you believe that? Denny Hamlin, he has zero top tens in six races. But I'll tell you this, if all things are kind of normal like we've seen at Richmond, this track is a slump buster for him, okay? I would even venture to say this week and next week are both races that could slap him out of this slump, slap him out of it like, you know, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Topical joke there. Zero wins in his last nine races. And by the way, I'm calling out the last nine races because that's what my um, my program is giving me here. So in his last nine, seven top fives. Yeah, you heard me right. Seven top fives and seven top tens as well. So what you're hearing there is if he's in that top 10, he's going to be in that top five. So he's plus 130 to finish in the top five. I feel like that's got to be a must bet. His average finishes seven, excuse me, 5.7 which is second in NASCAR. His drive rating is sixth, 106.4. And let's look at last year, okay? Speaking of driver ratings, last year his driver rating was absolutely through the roof in both races. Both races he finished second. That's just crazy. And his driver rating in both races were 138. So he has the stats. He's hungry. He's looking for some way to snap out of this funk why wouldn't this racetrack? If you're Denny Hamlin, you're on that team. You say, God damn, what can we do to just break out of this slump? Oh, shit, Richmond's coming up. How did we do last year? Second in both races. We were phenomenal in both and we couldn't get the win. I'm starving. I am hungry for this win. So Denny Hamlin, you know, he needs that home cooking. I think that he is a very viable option this week. He's a decent bet, especially at plus 1,200. So if you're going with that historical data... Denny Hamlin is definitely one of the guys that you can go with that makes a lot of sense because he's got a lot of stats and the situation that he's in makes sense as well. So to recap, Hamlin for the historical picks, Tyler Reddick plus 1,200 for the new age type of vibe here, and then Christopher Bell plus 1,400 as my mix pick. Those are the guys that I like this week to win the race. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! So let's talk some top 10s here, and I'm hoping that as the week unfolds, I'm able to see some better odds for some of these guys that I'm calling out on some different sports books. But right now, as I'm recording this, MGM is the first and only place to have top 10 odds available, so I'm going off of those lines, but you better believe I'm looking at Barstool for later this week to get some better odds and, and seeing where some of these guys land. So... I'm going to start with someone who's going off as minus 115, which I did not like that line, but we'll see where he lands, like I said, on some of these other books. But it's Eric Almarola, and he started, as we know, he was you know three for three with top tens to start the season. Now the last three races, he's 0 for three. 
So it's been a tale of two halves of this short season here for Eric Amarola. And I think it's time for him to kind of get back to what we were seeing early on. In his last nine starts at Richmond, he has one top five and four top tens. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Four for nine, you know, 44%. That's really good there. His average finish is 12.9. That's 10th in NASCAR. It's tied for 10th with someone we're about to speak on. Driver rating is 11th in NASCAR, 84.1. So those are stats. When you're looking at guys to finish in the top 10, I'm looking for those types of names. Hovering around that 10th mark in both average finish and driver rating and some of these other stats like green flag speed and things of that nature. In the last six races, he has four top 10. So I mentioned how he was four for nine. Well, if you actually zero in a little bit more, he's four of the last sixth. I mean, that's just, you know, what we're talking about here. That means he's doing it recently. It's what we want to see. He's 13th in green flag speed at Phoenix this year in 2022. So he's right there. He's not so far off of it, you know, in 2022 that it hurts him. He finished sixth last year in what was quote unquote a down year for him and Stuart Haas before he went on to win New Hampshire. He was kind of dead in the water, but he finished sixth at this spring race. Now he's eighth in points right now. A lot of that due to the fact that he went three for three in the top 10 to start the season, but starting to leak a little bit. So if you're that team, this is a good chance to kind of plug those leaks back up and you come back with a a top 10 finish. You're feeling pretty damn good about where you are heading into this like next stretch. I think these guys are now, you know, they're back on the East Coast and it's short track time and you're trying to just basically get to that all-star race. I think that's how they kind of mark the seasons up looking at the calendar. So if you're the 10 team, That's what you want to do. Plug those leaks that you've had the last few weeks. Let's get another top 10. This is a racetrack that is very doable. So he's minus 115, but I'm hoping to get him at a better number. So give me Eric Emerald in that top 10. Somebody that I'm seeing similar, someone that I was really anxious for, was Austin Dillon. He's currently plus 105 at MGM to finish in the top 10. And Dillon, the reason I was looking for him, was because it's been known he really does like Richmond. And, you know, looking at the data site that I go to, they give you the comparable racetracks, you know, Phoenix being the most notable, but it's another flat track, New Hampshire and others. And looking at his stats, the way I play around with it, you can toggle on and off the comparable track. So I'm seeing in the last nine races, he's got four top tens. Well, when I turn off the comparable tracks, he still has four top tens, meaning this is the track he likes <laughs> out of all that style, right? Average finish, he is tied with Amarola for 10th at 12.9. So he's right there again, that 10th in NASCAR for average finish, that's good stuff. His driver rating isn't as good as Amarola's, but he has another similar stat to Amarola. And Those four top 10 finishes also came in the last six races. So that's what we're looking for. The 2020 playoff race for Austin Dillon, he led 55 laps and finished fourth. That was three races ago, right? You don't just lose it. It's three races ago. He finished 10th last spring and 11th last fall. So he's right on that number. It makes this bet 
even more fun. You know, we're not calling out a lock here. If it was a lock, I'd give you Kyle Busch. No, we're calling out someone who's going to be hovering around that 10 place and last year proved it 10th and 11th. I mean, you can't get any closer than that. And he was 10th in average fastest laps at Richmond in the last nine races. So right around that 10 place number, it's just like screaming at you right there. His drive rating, like I said, not as good as Emerald's, but it's 82.3. It's good enough for 13th in NASCAR. So the other thing I want to call about Austin Dillon is that everybody's talking about Tyler Reddick, right? I'm one of them. I, I think Reddick is definitely the leader in that stable. But, you know, Dillon, RCR in general, they're definitely seeing some momentum here. They're both running well, well enough. And I think Austin Dillon is someone who can be, you know, sneaky good at times. And I think he could easily sneak himself into a top 10 here. So plus 105, I'm hoping we can get him at a better number. Um, lock me in for Dylan. Now, the other thing is a, a quick head to head throw in here. He's going head to head against Austin Sindrick. And I definitely like him against Austin Sindrick, being that Sindrick is running for Ford. Ford has, you know, kind of tough time so far this year figuring out this new car. Sindrick's experience at Richmond in the Cup Series. Uh, all those things just lead me to Austin Dillon in that matchup. So. A little throw in there. I'll probably make that a race day parlay, but um, just another little pick there that I think is a, a lock. You know, Dylan being in the top 10, not a lock. You know, that's why you're getting better odds. But minus 110 against Austin Sindrick, the Battle of the Austins. Give me Dylan in that one. The last guy that I'm calling out here is another guy who's plus 105 to finish in the top 10, and it's Daniel Suarez. Bear with me. All right, don't turn this off. You're listening to me. Last week, it was good for Suarez and it was bad for Suarez. All right, he went out, put the car up front early. He was leading laps. You know, I think he qualified second and ended up taking the lead over from Blaney pretty quickly, led a ton of laps. He stayed out for stage points. I think he led every lap in the first stage. Stayed out for stage points, whereas other guys came into pit. So when he came out, to start stage two, he was shuffled back and then got caught up in some trash on that turn one at Coda, which can be devastating. And that basically ruined his race. He was having a good day. Then it was a bad day. And then it was a very awkward day because his teammate, Ross Chastain, goes out and gets that win. So how do you feel if you're Daniel Suarez, right? Because you were the guy who started this team. You were the one who they picked to be the the driver for this team. Now it's a two-car shop, and this guy who's been racing there for six races gets the first ever win for the company. It's got to feel good, you know, we've got that momentum for the company, but it's got to also feel weird. So this is a race where I'm saying, let's see what you have, Daniel Suarez. Let's see what, what kind of, you know, oomph, you've got in you because I think most competitors that would be like, Hey man, great job, Ross, you know, proud of you. Good for the company, but also like get the hell out of my way. Cause I'm, I'm winning this next race. Let's see what he has. Average finish at Richmond is 15.0 in nine starts. Not great, but he's got three top tens in nine starts, 33% top 10 rate. Not too shabby. Two of them came with JGR. One of them came with Stuart Haas Last year with Trackhouse, he was 16 and 17, but things have changed 
at that race shop. Clearly, Trackhouse is able to put together cars. They've got that Ganassi love now that they've purchased that whole shop. Things are a little bit different over there. So I think that he will get a boost from last year and put him in the same category as Stuart Haas. Uh, so you got a top 10 with them. I think it's very possible here that he's able to go out and get that done. Um, he's closed well here. I, I threw that set out there a few weeks ago where in the last 10% of the race, guys losing or gaining positions, he's gained positions, I think is is 3.0 is his gaining position rate in the last 10% of the race. So that's good. That's what you want in a top 10 pick, right, guys, who can sneak in later in the race. He's also had a pretty good rate this year in 2022. I think he hasn't really gotten the finishes that we've wanted, but he's finishing at a 1.0 rate in 2022. So all things considered, this is pretty good. I think you should be able to get Suarez at more of a long shot than plus 105. If you can, get him, because I think it's the combination of Trackhouse being better than what he's been driving in the last three years or so at Richmond. He has proven that he can do it. Like I said, 33% top 10 rate and the intangibles of just kind of being fired up that his teammate got that first win and not him. So to round out the top 10 picks this week, we're going with Eric Almarola, Austin Dillon, and Daniel Suarez this week. We'll see if they can get it done. You serious, Clark? So now we'll get to the head-to-head section of the podcast. And we did great last week. We want to keep it moving. Already called out a couple quick hitters along the way. If you're paying attention, I'll recap those here um, briefly, I called out Christopher Bell over Ryan Blaney, who struggles at Richmond. We like Bell enough to win the race. Blaney struggles. Seems like a no-brainer. Um, one that I just talked about was Austin Dillon over Austin Cindric. And then one that I missed was they've got Denny Hamlin going against our boy Ross Chastain, but he's our boy no more. We're going to have to go with Hamlin over him this week. So how quickly we forget, right, who made us money just a week ago. But I just think that Hamlin you know, can turn it around this week. And we talked all about why we like him at this racetrack. So I don't see those same numbers as Chastain. So we're going to go Hamlin over that one. So those are just some of the quick hitters. Um, maybe I'll throw those guys into a, a race day parlay as the weekend comes up. But I've got three more picks to call out here in a little bit more detail. And the first one is an interesting matchup. I saw this on the sports book. This is DraftKings now. And I was like, wow, why are these two guys matched up? This is kind of an odd pairing. It's Kurt Busch, minus 110, versus Eric Jones, minus 110. Now, Kurt let me down big last week. All right. I was he was a complete non-factor. I was very let down. I had him for a top 10. I had him in a head-to-head matchup versus Harvick. And Kurt, I mean, there was just something to it. They reported on it. All race, I was like, what the hell's going on with Kurt Busch? And finally, they reported on it like they were throwing everything at that car and nothing could get it to go right. So he was just battling. And at one point, it was up into the top 20 or so, uh, but it just was not to be for the, you know, Kurt Busch and that 45 car. So look at the flip side here. Eric Jones got a surprising top 10 last week at Coda. I mean, who was on Eric Jones for a top 10? If you were on that, I need to see it. Um, props to you if you pulled that one off. I didn't see many people talking about Eric Jones last week, but there he was. So that's what makes this matchup interesting is because you kind of 
got guys on different ends of the spectrum coming off of last week. Now, looking at Richmond between the two of them, Kurt Busch has some decent numbers here. In his last nine races, he has one top five, two top tens. Average finish is 14.9. Drive rating is 10th in NASCAR, 84.9. All seem pretty serviceable. You know, he's mid-pack, but mid-pack in a head-to-head matchup is what could get you a W, right? I mean, you don't have to beat everybody, just one guy. The thing about Kurt when you dig in a little bit deeper that makes you a little nervous is he hasn't had a top 10 since he was driving for Stuart Haas Racing in that 41 car. Seven straight races he was outside of the top 10. He was 37th last time we were at Richmond last fall. So you kind of throw that out as a bit of an outlier, but still his numbers aren't spectacular uh, since leaving Stuart Haas. So that's a little concerning. In a head-to-head matchup, you know, I want to see a little bit more momentum there. Eric Jones, though, that's why this matchup is interesting. He's kind of have a similar story. One top 10, four top 15s in his last nine races. His average finish is 20.2, but we're going to talk about that in a second. His driver rating is 71. His best finish ever was actually sixth driving in that 77 car a few years back for Furniture Row. He's had a rough go since then. Now, that average finish, he took a disqualification a couple years back. And so if you actually go with what he finished the race with, his average finish is 16.6 at this racetrack, which brings him pretty close, you know, in that same ballpark as Kurt Busch at Richmond. The thing is, this year, looking at these two side by side, it is shocking. The new car is something that Jones has clearly embraced more than Kurt Busch. This year, his average finish is 16.4. Kurt beats him with that, 13.3. So they're very close, close enough um, in that category. But Jones, this is the, the kicker. Jones's driver rating is 81, which is like 13th out of everyone. Meanwhile, Kurt Busch's is 71. That is something that really stands out to me. It's telling you that Jones is not getting the finishes that he deserves. We talked about that, actually. Uh, I think it was around like the Phoenix race. He was just not getting the finishes that his race really indicated. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Eric Jones in this matchup. Um, Coming off of a, a big top 10, figuring out this car, if history is what turns out, like we were talking about, if, if the JGR cars and history kind of plays out, neither one of these guys is dominant. So it's not really anything you can really say, okay, well, if it's just like last year, it's Kurt. No, it's not. They're both pretty similar. And if it turns out to be that this new car really shows up, Jones has an advantage there. So I like Jones, minus 110, this head-to-head matchup over Kurt Busch. Kind of shocked that I'm saying it, but it's how it is. Now, next matchup is a bit of a, a, a slobber knocker. You know, we've got WrestleMania coming up, old Jim Ross special there. Slobber knocker between Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Chase is minus 115 to Larson's minus 105. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going with Chase Elliott in this matchup because consistency is key in head-to-head matchups. Head-to-head at this racetrack in the last seven races, it's 5-2 Chase. And one of those wins for Kyle was the race that he won. And Chase actually came in second in that race. So it's not like 
you know, it, it's crazy. It could have easily been 6-1. Now, at Richmond, Chase Elliott has no wins in his last nine races, but four top fives, five top tens. Kyle, on the other hand, has that one win, which happened back in 2017, a little further back than you'd like to feel comfortable. One top five, five top tens. So that's the, the kicker there, if you notice what I said. Chase with four top fives and five top tens. Kyle, one top five and five top tens. So that leads us to, obviously, the average finish stat, which Chase wins 10.0 to 12.1. Driver rating, 93.8 to 89.5. Chase wins that one again. And then looking at this season, Chase Elliott is your points leader by quite a bit. And he's the only guy in his stable that does not have a win. Everyone's talking about how, oh, it's kind of a down season so far for Chase. When's he going to get his win? He's winning the points lead right now. And... Kyle Larson is not really doing that well. There was a a moment early in the season where we're like, okay, this is just like last year. Kyle's on it. But as this has progressed a little bit further, it's not really looking that way. Average finish for 2022, Chase Elliott has an 11.0 average finish. That is first out of everyone in NASCAR. Kyle Larson, 19.0. That is way down the list. Like almost the, the second half the bottom half of the list, 19.0. So Chase is going off as the favorite on most sports books, and clearly that's for a reason. I mean, he's, he's got some decent stats here. I didn't see enough of Chase to make me want to bet on him to win the race. I'm saving him, I think, for next week at Martinville, kind of like what I was talking about with Truex. But in this head-to-head matchup, give me Elliott all day, minus 115 over Larson. I'm not seeing the, the stats from Larson this year and at this racetrack to say, oh, wow. Larson's the guy. No, Chase is the guy. Everything that we're seeing here leads you to Chase. So minus 115 is a good value there, in my opinion. Now, the last matchup that I have is on every sports book because it's a, quote, featured matchup. You've noticed this probably because all sports books, Barstool, MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, they all have this featured matchup section for the most part. And they're typically the same matchups across the board. And so they usually give you four matchups each week. Now, the reason it makes it a little tough is because you're not allowed to parlay these guys, right? Like you can the normal head-to-head matchups on DraftKings. These are standalone matches. So this is a big one. And we're going to call out Kyle Busch, minus 130, versus Alex Bowman, plus 100. They've had beef this year, so that's one of the reasons why this is probably a featured matchup. And Bowman had a win at this racetrack last year, so it makes it a little bit more intriguing. So it's a top billing, basically, for this matchup. I am trusting history. That's where my head is at. Looking at Kyle Busch, he has two wins, three top fives, Eight top tens in his last nine races. Average finish 6.7, which is fourth out of everyone. Drive rating 107.7, fourth out of everyone. The last time he finished outside of the top 10 at Richmond was spring 2017. So even with the new car kind of being like an unknown at this racetrack and the fact that JGR and Kyle have relatively struggled with it, Those numbers are a great baseline for you as the gambler to kind of work off of because 
Think about Harvick at Phoenix, right? New car, but Phoenix is a racetrack that he just knows how to get around, and he did it. He, he got that top 10, tied that record, right? This is a similar situation here. Kyle has the stats to make you say, man, that guy knows exactly what he's doing at Richmond. He has the most top 10s in NASCAR looking at the last nine races. He's got eight of them. So then you look at the other guy, Alex Bowman. How are his stats? Why is he in this matchup? Well, one win, one top five, two top tens in seven starts. He backed up his win, which came a year ago in the spring race, with a 12th place finish in the fall. So it's not like he was just on it last year. A little bit of a fluky win. That's kind of the the narrative that Alex Bowman haters are trying to put out there is that he kind of backs into some wins there. Bowman's numbers, his average finish is 13.1, driver rating 82.1. So not, you know, fantastic. I mean, Kyle dominates those numbers, but he's serviceable. So typically, you know, you're looking at those numbers and you're saying, well, in a head-to-head matchup, I'm into that, you know, mid-80s driver rating, 13.1 average finish, I'm into that. But when you're going up against somebody with the caliber of Kyle Busch and those credentials, I'm not feeling it. Now, 2022 different story, right? Alex Bowman off to a much better start. But as far as average finish is concerned, they're almost equal. So now if you're trying to say, well, Alex Bowman is the pick here, what leg do you have to stand on? You really don't. The kicker for me is that because this is a featured matchup, you can get it on different sports books. And there are certain books out there that have these odds at minus 150 versus plus 100. So the fact that you can get them right now on DraftKings at minus 130, well, that's a big deal. That tells you that there are people out there who think that this is even more of a mismatch. So I'm going with Kyle Busch in this matchup, minus 130 all day and night. To me, this is a layup. So lock me in before these odds change. So to recap here, it's Kyle Busch, minus 130 over Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, minus 115 over Kyle Larson, and a little bit of a... Wild card here, Eric Jones, minus 110 over Kurt Busch. Let's go. So we're going to finish off the podcast this week with a Phil's Fired Up. So if you are kind of newer to the podcast, might not have done it too many times this year. This is a section or a segment that when I'm fired up about something either good or bad, I like to just kind of go on a bit of a rant and see if anybody out there agrees with me either way. So uh, let me know your feelings on what I'm about to break down here. And this week, I'm kind of upset, I guess, because after the race is over on a Sunday, there are no odds to bet on NASCAR for the upcoming race until about Monday night into Tuesday. But the odds that you do have the ability to stare at are the championship odds. And I just, I don't know there's something about it. It's just kind of like nature, you know, even though I know the odds aren't up, I'll pull up the app and I'll just see what's cooking. And I keep going back to these championship spots. Now I'll take away one positive, And that is you can still on DraftKings bet on these season win totals, season match bets, and years past they've taken them away after Daytona. So that's very exciting, right? You can still get in on some of these season bets that I've been talking about. Um, on these episodes so far this year, and that's a good thing. But what I don't understand are the odds to win the championship. 
Kyle Larson is plus 400. Now, first of all, to win the championship in NASCAR is so goddamn hard. Plus 400 just doesn't make a lick of sense to me to begin with. I just don't understand why they would have the favorite be those short of the odds. I, I don't get it. I feel like the favorite should be somewhere around like plus 800 to 1,000, but instead it's plus 400. So that in itself is annoying because it's so hard to predict who's going to win the championship this far out. Maybe if it was in the playoffs, yeah, plus 400 is starting to zero in. But we're so far from November. Why is plus 400 what you're giving me? Now, look who the championship favorite is. It's Kyle Larson. What the hell have we seen out of Kyle Larson so far to say, like, he's the odds-on favorite by a lot to win the championship? I just mentioned in that matchup with Chase how he's 19.0 average finish. He's 16th in points, I believe. Um, that is not a champion, uh, at least the odds on favor to be a champion at all. Like, what are we looking at here? Looking at just kind of the, the rundown here, Chase is plus 600 and second favorite. William Byron is third at plus 800. That doesn't make much sense. Kyle Busch plus 900. And then Ross Chastain is plus 1000. Like, Great for Ross. Happy that he won the, the race last week. We cashed in on it. But plus 1,000 to win the championship? Like he's fifth favorite to win the championship because he won a race last week? What the hell are we talking about here? This doesn't make any sense. It just, I don't understand what they are using to calculate these championship odds. Ross Chastain, if I were to place a bet on Ross Chastain to win the championship, I better be getting like plus 3,000. Like, that's a long shot, even after he locked himself into the playoffs. And let's talk about that for a second. Everyone's saying that Ross is locked into the playoffs, or Austin Sindrick locked into the playoffs. They're easily, with this new car, there easily could be 16 guys who have won races at the end of this season. Like, very easily. So, I know that, you know, by default, we say, yeah, they won a race, they're in the playoffs. But there's a chance that we could have more guys with wins than there are playoff spots. That's just a little food for thought there before we get it too ahead of ourselves on some of these guys. Briscoe, Sindrick, and Chastain all need to continue to back it up because once some of these bigger names start to capture some wins, you know, it's going to get a little tight there. But looking down the list, right, Christopher Bell's plus 2,500. That's really, you know, the first name that you're seeing that's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. I just don't understand why the odds aren't longer to begin with, you know, for, for anybody to win the race. And I don't understand why we're seeing the names that we are towards the top of that list. This car has proven that it's complete chaos. Anything can happen. So why aren't the odds reflecting that? I would be more interested in betting on the championship 25% through the regular season if I saw some more intriguing odds, but these are like almost throwaway. So the way you got to look at it is like just skim past the first 10 drivers and see if there's anybody beyond that, that really hits you the right way. So just kind of grinds my gears because, you know, on Monday mornings, I, I like to kind of see what the updated odds are. Obviously Ross jumped out at me and that got me thinking like, what's going on here? Recency bias there for sure. But the rest of these guys, just doesn't make sense. I don't know what they're using to calculate that. So just wanted to 
rant about that while I could. If anybody has any thoughts on, you know, if they disagree with me, they think these odds are kind of dead on and here's why, let me know. I would love to kind of debate that a little bit. And if there's anybody out there that has a, a good pick for maybe an off-the-beaten-trail championship pick, mine early on was Ryan Blaney. He's still kind of sitting right at there, that plus 1,200 mark. Um, I still don't mind that. But, uh, you know, you would have thought that maybe he would have dipped down a little bit because he hasn't gotten that win early. But plus 1,200, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But if you have somebody else, you know, that you like to win the championship in this early, early season and you're seeing some good odds on them, let me know. Because right now, for the most part, I'm not seeing great odds on uh, the guys that we'd like. So just a championship odds rant and a kind of a check-in, 25% through the regular season, kind of where we're at. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we start to see some better odds as the season unfolds. So that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. Big race this week. We'll see what prevails, history or this new wave of drivers. Remember to follow along with me on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Full Tank Phil, for any updated picks as the week goes on with practice and qualifying. And remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week for Martinsville. Place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go.